angels announce with shouts of mirth Him who brings new life to earth. Set every peak and valley humming with the word the Lord is coming. People the
God is making final preparations for an amazing thing. Let us remember and prepare for God's intervention of love. At first, there was the frail light of a single candle of hope, daring to pierce the darkness of despair and sin. Then the candle of peace brought us God's persistent fire that dispels the forces of violence. Then the candle of joy promised that our weeping will turn to laughter and our mourning into gladness. Today we light the candle of love, for no other word is completely captures the spirit of our faith or beautifully describes what we know about God. For God so loved the world that a child was given, and this holy child shared the love of God with the world. We give thanks for the love of God, seen most clearly in the life of Jesus Christ. May the light and love and light of God shine brightly in our lives. Welcome to the worship of God on this wonderful Christmas Eve. On an occasion like this, you never know how many people will come to worship on Sunday morning. But I imagine who it was, and it was you. So I am glad that you're here. Uh, what a good day it is to be here. So welcome. This is one of those days that is a twofer, in a way. It's both Advent 4, the fourth Sunday of Advent, thus with the purple pyramids and the anticipation, but also it is Christmas Eve, and this evening at 4 p.m. and then 10.30 p.m., we'll be wearing white vestments and celebrating the birth of Christ. So if you can come to those as well, feel free to do, though, to do that, but welcome to this place this morning. Whenever Christmas uh, Eve or Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, it always gives a different aura of things for me. It feels more intimate on days like today. It feels less like the formal dining room and more like the breakfast room or even like around the fireplace. That's the invitation today, to feel that sense of intimacy, to gather around the fireplace, to tell the stories of the family, to look at the picture book of the family, and to remember the history and the hope that we have. Especially do we welcome those of you who are guests among us. There is, on the edge of your order of service, a response and welcome card. If you could complete that, it'll help me connect name and face with you. You can drop it in the offering plate when it's passed. Also, our deacons and our staff pray for those who want prayer, want prayer every week. We pray for you by name and by need. So if you place that on that welcome card, drop it in the plate, we'll be honored to pray for you. 
Well, this will be a little different kind of a service, you can tell already. A few things to help you anticipate. As we uh, approach the scriptures and approach the songs, it'll be a little bit of a variation. I'm going to preach the sermon as a duet. I'll be, my dance partner in the duet will be Garrett Ray, who is an artist. As I preach a part of the text, he will improv and draw pictures up here of what he is hearing and experiencing in the text. Uh, This actually came about due to a dare. (laughs) Not to mention any names, but I think it was Brian Knight and Jeffrey uh, Dunkerley who came up with it that said said that, that Garrett always draws pictures while you preach. Why don't we let everyone see what he's drawing? And so that's exactly what will happen. So we will do those uh, sort of in tandem uh, today. Also, because there's going to be one and then two and then three, if you would like to move, say, at the beginning or the end of the first hymn we have, moreover on this side, you're invited uh, to do so so that you can see better. Some of us grew up with chalk talks. Do any of you remember chalk talks? What about flannel graphs? Remember flannel graphs? I think before flannel graphs, we just beat rocks together. Uh, so, and so some of us grew up with a tradition of illustration during exposition. And so it's kind of back to the future. There will be three triptychs, scripture, song, sermon, scripture, song, sermon. And the two songs in between will be brought by uh, Keith Walker. Uh, and uh, he'll be singing. The way to think of this is rather than water going through coffee grounds, it's more like tea leaves steeping so that we don't rush past these scriptures this year and let it steep and let the flavor uh, emerge. Um, We have a child who will be leading us today. Uh, Mary Frances Hedrick will be singing a Moravian song that you will sing in dialogue with her. It's called Moravian Star, and we have learned it for several uh, years. And so we always pray when we worship. I'll call on Jeffrey at this time. Lead us in prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Ever faithful God, through prophets and angels, you promised to raise up a holy child who would establish a household of peace and justice. You have given us a sign of your love through the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Open our hearts to receive your Son, that we may open our doors to welcome all people as sisters and brothers and establish your household in our time. Hear our prayers for your world, confident of your care and mercy for all of creation. Make our hearts leap with joy and fill our mouths with songs of praise, that we may announce glad tidings of peace, hope, joy, and love, and welcome Christ in our midst. In our anticipation, let us recite the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we get ready to hear Mary Frances uh, lead us in a carol, any children here are welcome to follow Anna Kate downstairs after the carol. Keith? Carol comes out of the Moravian tradition and is a true call and response. I'm going to ask you to remain seated, but if you will look at your insert and notice where it says all. Mary Frances will sing where it says solo, and we all will join where it says all. So we're going to do this kind of as a duet with her. All right? Jesus, my 
Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, a reading from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house of the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Here ends the first lesson. Well, I'm very excited about this opportunity with this improv. And as I read the scriptures, it seems like the first Christmas had a lot of improv in it as well. And there was no room for them in the end. And so you make do with what you have. All right, the first movement in this, uh, these three texts that we're hearing, I'm going to call swaddling clothes. Because you heard as uh, Aunt, J- Jan, uh, Aunt Jane read it, she read it from the New Revised Standard Version, which is our pulpit Bible, which we usually use. But weren't you listening for the words, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger? I mean, it just kind of uh, is abrupt to the ear. And she wrapped him in bands of cloth. And laid him in a manger. The thing is, that's what it really says. Bands of cloth is an accurate translation. But uh, this is the epicenter. This is the epicenter of the story of Mary, Joseph, there around the manger, wrapping Jesus in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. That's how the story starts. Now, We're all familiar with that story. In fact, I think I almost could read the story before I learned to walk. Were any of you the designated reader of the Christmas story on Christmas morning? All right, thank you. I see that hand, Letty. Joe never volunteered. (laughs) And then Kendall. Uh, The the tradition was passed down to Kendall as the reader. Uh, I remember Jim Hermance always raises his hand. I don't see Jim Hermance here today. Please tell him that I noted his absence in the sermon. (laughs) He was one of the designated readers. And so uh, usually I got a Bible for Christmas. I don't know how that happened. Uh, You could almost count how old I was by the number of Bibles uh, that I got, kind of like rings on a tree. You know, how old is he? Well, that's the age. And so I would read, and I remember stumbling, stumbling over these words, like when Quirinius was governor of Syria, or... 
I wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, I didn't know what swaddling clothes uh, were, uh, but as far as I knew, Jesus was the only one who wore them. And he wore them to sleep in. I figured everybody else wore what I wore, uh, pajamas that had Roy Rogers on it and, and had footies, uh, which I didn't wear today. Uh, but that's what I thought as a child when I would read the story. And then, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Turns out that Luke the, is an artist as well with words, the gospel writer who crafted this story. He does these inclusios, kind of like parentheses that start a story and finish a story. This story starts with Jesus being wrapped in bands of cloth and laid in a manger. That comes back again, that same formula. Where would it be? Wrapped him in cloth and laid in. Ah, Yeah, it's in the tomb that when they take the body of Jesus, it says, and they wrapped him in cloths and laid him in the tomb. There's a lot in common with these two inclusios. Uh, For one, there's a Joseph at both, right? Joseph of Nazareth and Joseph of Arimathea. It was his tomb. Also, both instances are borrowed. The Holy Family doesn't own the manger, nor does Jesus own the tomb. Both are borrowed, you see. And the times when we are most vulnerable as humans are when we are born and when we die and are buried. Birth and burial, the times when our bodies are really in the care of others. See that? Well, this is the story of, of, the, uh, of the, the nativity there with, with um, uh, uh, swaddling clothes, bands of cloth wrapped around Jesus. Uh, we swaddle what's of value to us, right? When you go to the nursery at the hospital and you look in the window, you see all these bundled babies. It's my understanding. I should, should have checked this out with a doctor. But I think the bundling and the swaddling helps sort of comfort the baby. One, it helps the, body, the, the baby's body hold the temperature. And it's something about just being gathered that the baby is a little less anxious, you know. So it's an action of love and care. We, sw- we swaddle what we value. Uh, Years ago, I did some swaddling in some of our Advent services. Uh, It's a long time ago, but we called it the grief service. And during the season of Advent, almost as close to the winter solstice that we could get, I invited the congregation, some of you would come, and bring with you your grief. You know, we're supposed to be merry and bright this time of year, But if grief has visited you, it does not feel merry and bright. Uh, My grandmother died on Christmas Day when I was a fresh freshman in college. I never not go through Christmas without thinking of her. So we bring our grief as well as our gratitude. But on that night, the the sanctuary would be dark, a few candles out, and I would have people write down their grief and send it to me, and I would have them code the cards, which I've kept. 
for all these years. And I would have them code the card, could I read this out loud or not? And I would go through the cards. Here's my writing, Uncle Paul and Uncle Bill. And they died uh, pretty close together. And I sent that in. Here's one from Greg Colson. A friend of his named Tom had died that year. And also he wrote Boots. That was his favorite cat who had died that year. That got turned in as a grief. And then here's one, turmoil and tribulation at home and work. Home and work, turmoil and tribulation. Liz, this isn't your handwriting, is it? (laughs) It could be. Uh, It's really all of our story. Turmoil and tribulations at home and work. And they would pass in these cards and as music would play, was played, I would take these cards and put them inside the church directory. Because a lot of people would say, I would love to come to that service, but I just can't. My grief is too close to the surface. And I'd say, that's all right. I will, I'll bring you if you can't come. And that's what I would do. I'd take these cards, place them in the church directory, and then I had these bands of cloth that I would wrap all of these griefs in and I would place them in the manger which we had borrowed from the preschool Christmas pageant, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. I don't know what grief you bring this morning or what need you have, but there's a gravity to Christmas that has more grace than you have grief. Allow that to be wrapped in swaddling clothes because we wrap what is dear to us and place it in the manger, at least for this day. Amen.
The angel appears to the shepherds, a reading from the Gospel of Luke. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Here ends the second lesson. While Garrett gets ready for the second panel here, let's see what we have. Mother Mary, meek and mild, overlooking the manger. You see bands of cloth hanging out, a little extra down on the floor. I'm taking that this is Joseph, who a little bit older, a little less hair, you know. And then this, I can get, who would, who would this be, do you think? The little drummer boy. Can you think of anything more annoying in a birth situation for a little drummer boy to show up and say, there's good news, I brought my drum. My, my mother never liked what Aunt Dorcas would bring me for Christmas because it always made noise. You know, it'd be a lawnmower that you could run inside the house that just made, or a drum set, uh, you know. So here's Joseph going, hush. May have been a southerner. Hush there. All right. The second image you've just heard about were these shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, how would you like to be out uh, on, your, on the job, minding your own business, you know, going down the to-do list, the checklist, working for the boss, and then all of a sudden something like this happens. Your work is interrupted by these angels that show up. And it says, and they were terribly frightened. The King James again says, and they were sore afraid. Now, I remember when I was reading that as a kid, I didn't know what that meant either, but I figured it was they were so frightened, it hurt. You know, uh, it hurt, it hurt so badly. Who were these guys? Well, different theories about, uh, you know, who they may, they may have been. One is that, uh, that they were about the lowest on the totem pole of the pecking order of the world. I mean, you know, they couldn't get a job doing anything else, but at least they could go stand in the middle of the night with a bunch of smelly sheep, you know. Maybe they were on 14th Street there in Jerusalem with a cardboard sign that says, Will Shepherd for Food. Anyway, they may have gotten this job, and there they were on the job, and the angels show up, which is a pretty good sermon, you know, that God didn't send the angels to kings and potentates and the wealthy, like all of us. He sent them to the persons that may have been on the edge of society and said, for you there's good news and great tidings. Another theory was that these were temple contractors. 
when you think about it, there in Jerusalem, just a few miles away, the temple required a lot of sacrifices, as in doves and, and sheep and all sorts of things, and the money changers. That was a part of what they did. And so if you showed up and said, I need to make a sacrifice, and uh, the priest says, well, you, you got a sheep? And he goes, yeah, I brought this one from the Dead Sea, but it's pretty beaten up by now, that the temple system could say, well, there's good news. We have one for sale that was without blemish or spot. So it could have been that these were contractors with the temple system that was also part of the oppression, in my opinion, in that time. Or it could have been that these were poets and philosophers. And as most starving artists, they had to take on a part-time job. I know you've already thought of the, uh, of the wordplay. These, they were moonlighting. I heard that. <laughs> well, these poets or philosophers could go out in the fields, and as all of the stars and the constellations moved around, they could ponder the mysteries of the world. Now, when you think about it, God kind of has a thing for shepherds. Let's see, who was it that led the children of Israel out of Egypt? Oh, yeah, he was a shepherd. In fact, over here in our, Mo- in our Moses window... There is Moses, and he's holding the shepherd's staff, getting ready to lead the people out of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, David also was a shepherd. We don't have any shepherd's staff in the David window, but there is uh, the harp, or the lyre, that legend has it that he may have brought it to the fields to comfort and sing to the sheep. Any more shepherds in the Bible? Oh, yeah, Steve Sheely will be thinking about Amos. Amos, the prophet from Tekoa, not Tekoa, Georgia, but uh, he was a shepherd and a grower of sycamore trees come to preach. And see the shepherd's staff right there? And then these guys in Bethlehem's shepherd field. And over here, there's one, two, and three shepherd staffs. Maybe God liked shepherds because they are not overwhelmed with the busyness of life. Maybe they're not at the mall today. (laughs) Maybe they are contemplating and thinking and uh, writing poetry and imagining. Here they were, they were sore afraid. Now Now when an angel shows up in the Bible, what's the first thing that the angels always says? Fear not, do not be afraid. I guess one of the hallmarks of uh, angels are they scare the bejeebers out of whoever they show up. And, and you know, and it's kind of like, it seems to me by the time they say fear not, it's too late. You know, I'm already afraid. Too late. Well, this angel shows up and, and it frightens them. And it says, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, about them and they were sore afraid. And so here's this fear, but then the angel starts talking. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. All people, get that? All people are born to you, for you is this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign. You'll find, let's see, there's that formula again. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there's this host of heaven all these angels up in heaven that are busy celebrating along with, 
with uh, the angel that has spoken. Now, I don't know what they look like either. Uh, a friend of several of ours, um, uh, Sehested, uh, what's his first name? Nancy Sehested's husband. Ken Sehested does a blog called Prayer and Politics. He's always blending those two. And one of the hallmarks on the letterhead is this uh, goofy-looking, squatty angel. And the angel's name is Harold. As in, hark the Harold, angels sing. And so Harold always has his news, but it's always mixed with the fear that we as the shepherds are hearing. So where there is hope, there can also be fear. I don't know what you bring into this place today, but it could be some fear. It could be some fear of what has happened in 2017. It could be some fear of what might happen in 2018. It's, whatever a Christmas Eve is, it's a mingling of those. I think about Phillips Brooks, the uh, preacher from Boston, who was a writer of hymns and Christmas carols. He was taking sabbatical one year right after the Civil War over Christmas. I mean, make a note, personnel committee. He took a sabbatical over Christmas. I think that's a great idea. And just said, church, it's yours. And he went to the Holy Land. And on the Christmas Eve, right after the Civil War, there he was in the shepherd's field. And he said, I was looking and seeing uh, Bethlehem in the moon-lighted distance. And a poem came to him, and he went back to where he was staying, and he wrote it that night. O little town of Bethlehem, uh, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. We bring our hopes, we also bring our fears, even we who are sore afraid.
please stand as you are able for the gospel reading. The shepherds go to Bethlehem, a reading from the gospel of Luke. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Keith and Jeff. Beautiful songs that lead us to, to, to Christmas. And thank you, Garrett, for working on these good images. Uh, I was looking over here. I, I can imagine this angel has been waiting around for a few millennia, going, can I blow it now? And Gabriel says, no, not yet. Can I blow it now? No, not yet. And then finally the night comes, and so he's saved up about 2,000 years of wind. And off it goes, and knocks this shepherd down. This one has his hands over his ears. In case you don't know, one of Garrett's gifts is as a caricaturist. And so I think uh, uh, Garrett is going to sign these, and uh, we'll give it to someone special, someone who may not be getting much for Christmas Liz, I love you so much. <laughs> and so, honey, this is Christmas. <laughs> all right. The, 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 the third movement has all the group together. The shepherds come to Bethlehem to see this great thing which has come to pass. And so they show up there. And all the characters are gathered. The shepherds are there. Uh, uh, Mary and the manger. Joseph and Jesus. Wise men? Well, actually, they're in another story, right? They're in Matthew's story, not Luke, so that, that's a whole other matter. Maybe the little drummer boy's already been chased up. Is the innkeeper there? Arms crossed, head shaking. Well, you know, he's not in the Bible. He's in, he's in all these Christmas plays, but he is not in the Bible. There's no innkeeper. But if we want to draw him in, okay. Well, all, the, all of the characters are there, and the shepherds tell Mary... You won't believe what's happened. Now, I imagine they came in pretty, well, I was going to say ripe <laughs> in more ways than one uh, with those sheep. They, they come in and they're just so excited. And I imagine that Joseph is, is needing to go, all right, guys, you know, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, and we want to keep it that way. Just calm down. But they're all excited. But then they leave. And it says, and Mary pondered these things in her heart. We don't know much about Mary, although there are thousands of books written about her, and she's a, a real central figure, say, in Roman Catholicism. Well, we really don't know that much, but we do know this. Per the scriptures, at least in Luke's story, she was a ponderer. A ponderer. Remember back in chapter 1 where Gabriel shows up and says, well, guess what? You're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
She said, this text says, she is perplexed and ponders these things. Then when Jesus is eight days old and they take him to the temple, there's old Anna and Simeon, and they come shuffling up to look. If it's a pink blanket, they go, God bless you, and walk away. If it's a blue blanket, they linger longer, and on this day, they recognize the baby. Simeon lets out this wonderful uh, song, you know, sings to the baby, but also says, now Mary, a sword will pierce your heart, and this baby will cause the rise and fall of many. Here they are, and when she hears these words, it says, and Mary pondered these in her heart. When Jesus is 12 years old, they take him to the temple. They forget him and leave him in the temple. They have to come back and find him. He's mystifying all of the gurus and rabbis, and Mary ponders these things in her heart. And then she ponders what the shepherds say here as well. Ponder these things in her heart. The word ponder is an old uh, European word. It comes from the noun pondus. Pondus. And it means wait at the end of a cord. Pondus is the way. The pondus was used by the boatsmen as they were in the rivers, in the waters, to measure the depth of the sea or the river. They would throw it out like the riverboat and Mark Twain. And so the pondus, the pondering, measured the depth of something, the meaning of something, the relationship of the ship to the draw to the water, to ponder. Mary thought about what does this mean. Whatever else this time of year is and this time in history, we've got to be pondering, right? Not just reacting in fear, not paralyzed in fear, but pondering what should we do with our voice in this day and time where we are living. Ponder, what does it mean? Uh, if you're around me much, I'll often talk about, I don't, I don't know where to put that. As I think about things that happen to me, I kind of have to figure out where does that fit in the story of my life? Where do I put that? Several years ago, we've had a few times when Christmas Day fell on Sunday, and at one of those times I said, uh, I don't know where to put the relationship with my daughter. She had just gotten married, and it was an awkward relationship for me. And I told everyone there, all of you who were here that day, about that. I was trying to ponder where to put that. Well, that was years ago, and now things are a lot better. Our relationships, relationship has matured, has gotten more graceful. No small part is that there was a granddaughter born, and there's nothing like a three-year-old granddaughter to change relationship. And I'm still pondering. And now things are so much better. So what does that mean? I'm now one of the elder men in our family. I'm a patriarch, as is John. John's older than I am, so he's the real patriarch. I'm still the, I'm still the young fella. Uh, but what does it mean that we age and we're at a different place in our life journey? Or as we ponder what to 2018 will be like as a people, as an American people, what about medical care for all people? And how does that happen? 
What about race? America's original sin. That who would have thought that we would have seen college students at a fine campus carrying tiki torches talking about white supremacy so that the tiki torture, torch people had to put a disclaimer that said, don't blame us. What about the stranger among us? The Bible has a lot to say about hospitality to the stranger because the stranger carries the sacred with him or her. The stranger. And this time of year, here's this refugee family, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, who, thanks to Herod, will immigrate and become immigrants on their way to Egypt. What do we do with these biblical images that draw us and pull us? Indeed, they are a sign unto us. As you ponder all of these things, where politics and prayer, where spirituality and community meet, we bring all of this to the manger this day. Wrap it in swaddling clothes and leave it here. To help us ponder, we sing a hymn of invitation to discipleship. Number 169, Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. Let us stand together and sing. Well, each time we gather, we bring our concerns and our celebrations and a few announcements. Let me begin with a couple of announcements. We have a new pinnacle that's available in the narthex table as you leave, and it has a schedule for the rest of the day. Just to touch on that lightly, um, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, there will be the family vespers service, a family-friendly service 
when the children arrive, they can pick up their uh, shepherd's outfit, the Magi outfit, the Marys and the Josephs. Josephs is, is that a plural? That works. And they will all come together. We're looking forward to a, a, a family time at 4 o'clock. And then at 10.30, um, we have a service called Lessons, Carols, and Communion. And that will be a more traditional service where we'll hear scripture readings, um, carol singings, there'll be communion, and there'll also be family kind of style communion at the four o'clock. I neglected to say that. We hope you can join us as you're able. Uh, there are another, other announcements in the pinnacle that you can look over. A um, couple of uh, things to bring your attention to. Uh, Northside Drive member Betsy Walker is in the hospital. So please be praying for Betsy, her recovery, and join with her family in prayer. A celebration this morning. You've been able to witness Garrett Ray do all of these uh, wonderful uh, illustrations, front row seat, and I announced to you that Garrett was just admitted to the Savannah College of Art and Design, which will be beginning in January. So we celebrate with you, Garrett, and look forward to your future there. <laughs> Don't want to throw him off his game, right? Yesterday, the family and I uh, went to visit uh, the family that uh, the church has been supporting, the Zeta family, refugee family, uh, and visited with them and brought them a gift uh, from the young adult parents in in the church and had a a great time of fellowship uh, with them. Uh, At a time like this where we bring merriment and joy on Christmas Eve, we're also aware that there are many throughout the world who live in terror and fear. They are refugees, so we pray for them. Uh, We lift them up in our prayers. We pray that hearts could be changed for refugees around the world. Um, Let us continue the worship of God with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
All-loving God, on this Christmas Eve, we come with presence into your presence. We come with grateful hearts. Receive these as gifts that we give, as well as these tithes and offerings that we give in service of your great realm. Bless us as we prepare to go, and bless us as we have come to worship. We have come to worship. Indeed, we have come to worship Christ, the newborn King, in Christ's name. Amen.
And as Garrett's illustration portrays, some good news is just too good to keep to yourself. So we go forth and we share it. May you all have a very Merry Christmas as well as a Happy New Year. Take this benediction with you. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day, this Christmas Eve, and all throughout the season as we prepare to go in Christ's name. Amen.